Well, as we, um, again, jump into this last week of uh, this uh, sermon series, this has been, for me personally, um, I've always loved going through this to start off our year. It's always really uh, helpful and kind of reorienting for myself uh, to kind of uh, adjust my, my true north. And um, I've loved every single year that we've been doing this. I think we've we started doing this really from the very beginning. This is our uh, our 10th year or 11th year, I guess, going into starting off our, our year with uh, usually what's been a three-week or four-week series, but this time we extended it out because we wanted to get a lot more in-depth to really look at this year as being a year that we uh, build each other up in Christ, um, not just you know building up our own individual lives and becoming better people, that kind of thing, but being built up in Christ, uh, learning to abide in the vine and have just that real vibrant vine growth uh, in our lives. And... Um, as we uh, looked at these last uh, six weeks, this being the seventh week, um, it's been for me personally just uh, just an, an awesome last you know six seven weeks. Uh, and and I, I know I've, I've heard a lot of stories from some of you. We're going to hear from a few of you guys uh, today too. Just um, kind of the impact and the way that you've been seeing yourself, kind of maybe turn some corners, seeing some some new type of growth in your life that maybe you've never seen. Or maybe it's been certain, you know, uh, practices or habits of grace that you've been uh, diving into that have really made a huge difference. Uh, and so today, as we look at the second week of community, uh, we'll be looking at some practicals on how that gift from the Lord, the gift of gospel community, can really be something to help us really be built up in Christ. Now, what was great about um, the first church that we looked at, we looked at uh, Acts chapter 2 last week, the verse that's in the, the Bible leaf on the front of this podium here. We looked at that first church. One thing that was great about the first church, what they did so well, was they, they married these three things together, the word of God and prayer and community, uh, breaking bread with each other, being in each other's homes, praying in each other's homes. They married the three elements together. They weren't just sort of silos in their lives, but they really saw this great almost like a smoothie of the Word of God, prayer, and community is thrown in. And they lived this normally. This was normal in the believer's lives. And, and we ought to also desire this, to have this be a normal thing where we see the Word and prayer and community blended together all throughout our life. But we also have to realize that this doesn't really happen naturally in our lives. We don't just gravitate towards that. And so it's something we have to pursue, and it's something that isn't really easy to pursue. We have to really go out of our way to do this. I'd mentioned last week that I, I can't count how many times I've had to look to other people and just really throw myself upon the mercy of other people when I've been going through something either very difficult or something that's where my, my emotions are really heightened, uh, things are very personal, uh, I know that I can't trust my own view of myself or the situation in that moment. Um, I know that my emotions are going to cloud my thoughts, my perception, my perspective. And so it's at this time where I know I can, I can even twist scripture to my liking. I can twist my prayers to my liking. And so it's these, these moments where there's just a heightened emotion, whether it's really good emotion, something really exciting, or if it's really bad emotion, something very sad, I have to look to others to help me kind of wipe the fog off my lens, to help me sort of sharpen uh, my view, to speak into parts where maybe I'm not seeing because I'm being swayed by 
good feelings, bad feelings, fearful feelings, whatever it is, I need that gift of others to speak into my life, into my life's situations, the good, bad, and the ugly. And so we have to, as people, we have to press in to others. We have to press into each other. We need each other. We've been designed to be a body, multiple different body parts that are interconnected, which means we need to also learn to be vulnerable and honest, transparent, not pull away from each other or put on some kind of a front, but learning to really be teachable, to be humble towards each other, to invite that conversation, to not get defensive, how to receive criticism that's good, criticism, challenge from each other, to risk being exposed and letting other people really know what's going on in our minds and our hearts. We need this. Now, Art, when you hear this, are you already kind of getting a little tense? You're kind of just going like, oh, I'm not going to enjoy this sermon today. If you're even a little bit nervous about that, that's good. You're in the right place today. If you're kind of going like, mm, this is not my thing, it is your thing. And it's good that you're here to hear these things today. So I want to pray and uh, we're going to look at uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. We're also going to look at another earlier uh, scripture from Hebrews that we looked at a little bit last week as well. But the main text we'll be looking at is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. So let's pray and ask the Lord to meet us here, to lead us into truth, to help us to lower our guard a little bit and be willing to invite others more and more into our own lives. Father in heaven, we are grateful that you have designed life to be as it is. You've said that it is not good for us to be alone. And, you know, we oftentimes kind of attribute that verse to specifically being only to marriage, but that's, uh, that is the design of life. We're not meant to be alone. We are meant to be in community, in relationships, building friendships, becoming united with one another. Uh, even just this morning in our, our pre-service prayer, we were, we're just marveling at the, the great truth that we know that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. There's nothing that can come between us and Christ, but the, the beautiful truth of that, that same promise is true for even the body of Christ because we are the body of Christ. Nothing can actually separate us from each other. Now, in this life, sin and bitterness and jealousy, it does temporarily separate us, but there is nothing. If we're believers, if we're brothers and sisters, we are united with each other forever, and nothing can change that. Yes, we struggle in this life and now, but we, we want to get better at being unified in this life because we're going to be unified for all eternity. So help us and teach us now how to have those kinds of relationships, those kinds of friendships, that kind of trust and vulnerability, that grace and empathy, loving kindness and patience. We need your help doing this because this is not our natural disposition. We're, we're prideful people. We've got egos. We've got identity issues. We want to prove our worth. We want to be accepted. We All these things that just 
cloud our view. So help us. We need this. This is your design. We need to live according to your design. But we struggle with it. So help us. Holy Spirit, lead us into truth. Open our eyes to this truth. Lead us into good, practical, realistic ways we can pursue this truth. We thank you, Lord. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. The author of Hebrews says, let us consider, let's think about this. Think about this for a moment here, church. How do we stir up one another to love and good works? I hope that's something that comes to mind throughout your day, your week. How can I encourage others? How can I stir them up? Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but instead, instead of neglecting that, encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day, the great day when Jesus returns, as we see that day drawing near, we know that the time is near. And as we see that increase, we see the world getting darker, the more we see that, the more we need to press into each other and not neglect each other, not neglect being together. That's a bad habit that some fall into. I've fallen into. I'm sure we've all fallen into that before. Pulling away, neglecting being with people that you know need to be in your life. Now this scripture, as I mentioned, it pairs so well with the one that we looked at last week a little bit. So we'll just we'll look at this because it's a great one to, to frame up. It comes before this verse, back in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. Exhort one another, encourage each other, challenge each other every single day as long as it's called today. So when you leave here, around 11.30, 11.45, noon, you leave here, you still have the whole rest of the day to encourage each other. It doesn't end when you leave here. You've got the whole rest of the day. As long as it's called today, we're to exhort each other and encourage each other. And here's the reason why, so that none of us would be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. When we isolate, when we pull away, when we have the word and prayer but not community, we get hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The deceitfulness of sin. It tricks us, it fools us. It's a, it's a divide and conquer tactic of the enemy. You are stronger when you're with your church family. You're stronger when you're with people who can speak into your life. You're stronger. You get separated from that, you're weaker. You're vulnerable in, in the worst way, vulnerable to the enemy, right? So we, we must be together. The key word here in this verse here is, is neglect. We don't want to neglect. It's not that we completely cut out people out of our lives. That's often not what we do, but we neglect the habit of pursuing people, Right? We kind of keep them at an arm's length. So technically, we're still in community, but we neglect to actually pursue it. And that's kind of how we sort of you know, uh, get off on the charge of being out of community. We're like, well, technically, I'm still, but you're neglecting. But we were able to kind of point out, well, no, but I mean, I still text here and there and this and that, but we're neglecting. And so that's the key here. We neglect the habit of pursuing people 
We have to have these voices and insight and care of others around us. But we fall into this habit of neglecting that, avoiding that care, especially when our vision is blurred by hardship or emotions, good or bad, idols that we're desiring. We don't want to be around people who are going to uh, challenge our emotions, challenge our idols. And the time that we live in today makes that even more difficult than it was even for the early church, because today, clearly, society looks vastly different. We have many priorities, many plates spinning, many social circles to balance. And then technology, ironically, actually makes it more difficult. You know, before 100 years ago, before cars, automobiles, those kinds of things, you went to go be with the body of believers that was just in your village, with people you grew up with. You were known, and you knew others, and you couldn't just run from that. You didn't go, you didn't, you didn't like just switch churches. What are you going to do? Walk 30 miles to the next church? Right? You were stuck with people that know you. This makes it harder for us now because we've got these great gifts of technology, but it also makes us able to escape a lot easier. Cars and the internet make it possible for people who are far away to become more connected, so that's a good thing. But the ironic thing is that it actually allows people who are close together to be further apart. That's what's so weird. I love that I'm able to be connected with people who are far from me physically, but it also enables me to be further away from people who are actually close to me physically. You can keep a distance more easily. You can pull away and hide. So for all of us, even those of us who live in Escondido, the same city, it's a broad city. And community like we see in Acts chapter 2 is even harder for us, but it's possible and it's worth it. And actually, we even see in the Word of God, it's actually even commanded that we be in community. So for us today, when we don't live on the same block, maybe, as our church family, it just takes a lot more very intentional effort. And that's the, the world we live in. That's just the reality of how our cities are structured these days. So all it means is that we have more responsibility to make intentional effort. We have to make every effort, to make a great effort to fight this, to, uh, to fight for a heart that desires gospel community the way that God has designed it to be as we see in Acts chapter 2 and other places of God's word. So that means we need to learn the discipline of sacrifice, the discipline of intentionality. Sacrifice is needed, a reorienting of our priorities, of our, our calendars, reorienting of our convictions, and really to be honest, a, a reorientation of our love, where we're letting our love go to, of our worship, reorienting our worship. What I mean by that is you have to ask yourself, if you're neglecting, whether it's God's word or prayer or community, whatever it is, you have to ask yourself, what is it that I love so much that I'm willing to neglect these things? That I'm willing to neglect my relationship with Jesus? What is it that I love so much that I stay away from church family, or from the word, from God himself, what is it that I love so much that I'm trying to protect, and so I keep people away? So we have to reorient our love and our worship. That's the heart of the problem. It's easy for us to get out of this habit, so we have to consider how to get back into this habit. That's why that scripture, consider how do we stir each other up to love and good works, how to be with each other, and exhort one another. 
So we have to pray that God would humble us to teach us how to be poor in spirit so that we would become the church that he desires for us to be, a church devoted to his word and to prayer and to fellowship together. When we isolate, when we think we're above the need for community, when we hide from community, what happens is we become arrogant, we become prideful, we become hardened in our hearts and condescending and smug. We become isolated and pompous, snide and self-righteous kind of people. But rather when we commit to one another, when we walk beside each other, when we break bread with one another, we seek to truly understand each other and know one another and get to know each other. When we submit ourselves one to another, We become more humble and meek and teachable, gentle, patient, caring, understanding, wise, and loving. Now, one of those descriptions looks like the world, and one of those descriptions looks like Christ. And we have to choose which one do we want? What do we want to look like, the world, or do we want to look like Jesus There's countless scriptures that not only encourage us, but even command us to to be humble, to be vulnerable, to be teachable and accountable and seek out challenge and correction from others. He has called us to live differently than the world. You're not meant to be a silo, isolated. I see a lot of times, I see Christians who are kind of a church unto themselves. They're the final authority in their lives. They're the word of God, they're the pastor, they're everything. They make decisions by their own wisdom. They're just a walking little church of individual. That is not how it's supposed to be. You're just a member of the body of Christ. You're a finger, a thumb, a nose. But we walk around as if no one can speak into me because I'm the pastor of my life. You can't... can't talk to me like that, you can't challenge me, you can't judge me, you can't do all this stuff. I'm the final authority. That is not in the word of God. We're to submit one to another, to be connected to each other. But this this roadblock of technology is is welcomed by many of us because, because it guards us from another major roadblock, which is the fear of vulnerability. Vulnerability is not easy, it's very scary. We have this fear of being exposed or being hurt. You don't have to raise your hands here, but how many of you have been hurt by someone, hurt by a believer, a Christian? How many of you have been hurt by the church, whether this church or a previous church or just the capital C church? You've been hurt. Well, guess what? Jesus was also hurt by the church. Jesus was hurt by the church. No one has been more hurt by the church than Jesus himself. And yet in love, he remains to this day faithful to us. Faithful to us. The church, just spoiler alert, the church will hurt you. Sheep bite. They do. I can show you all the scars. The church will hurt you. People will hurt you. If you've ever been married or you are married, your spouse, have they ever hurt you? Hurt your feelings? Right? Your kids, have they ever hurt you? Uh, 
Kids, have your parents ever hurt your feelings? Right? We, we hurt each other. It's just kind of in our nature. It's not right. It's wrong. But it's what we do, and we're, we're good at it. So you'll be hurt by someone. I will probably hurt you at some point. Not on purpose, hopefully. Right? But I'm going to let you down at some point. Right? The person next to you is going to let you down at some point. You're going to be disappointed. That's how life is right now. I don't like it. I wish it was different. But that's the reality. Every single one of us has let down our Lord. Right? We've been unfaithful. But he remains faithful. And our desire for each other would be to remain faithful to each other, even when we do get hurt. Right? You still love your kids, even though sometimes... You know, when they don't want to be around you or hug you, you get your feelings hurt, but you still love them, right? Your spouse, your friends, your community group, we don't want to hide from people, hide from God, hide from the church. No, we say, I want to remain faithful just as Christ remained faithful to me. So now as we, we move kind of from these, some of these roadblocks into building blocks here, in some ways, some of these roadblocks, we actually want to use them to be these building blocks. I want to first dispel another myth um, maybe a couple at once here, actually. First myth is that when it comes to talking about these building blocks for community, building discipleship, and building community, there is no direct path in discipleship. Where you just go, here I am, and I want to get to that point, and it's just a straight line. There's no one-size-fits-all, and there's no silver bullet, go through this program, do this thing, read these books in order, and boom, you're a disciple, uh, that's just, that's not how it works. So if discipleship and sanctification is frustrating to you, you're probably on the right path. Honestly, like that's probably, if it's kind of easy and you're going, yeah, I read the books and I'm good, you're probably doing something wrong. You're going to be disappointed because it doesn't really work that way. It is very inefficient, very inefficient. And secondly, kind of, a, it really goes in line with the same thing, this other myth. When it comes to discipleship being built up, uh, I hear this a lot. I just, I just need someone to mentor me. I just need someone to disciple me. That's great. That's awesome if you have something like that, have someone like that in your life. But you don't need simply and only a mentor or some spiritual guru in your life. You need, I need, the body of Christ. I don't just need one finger, one person who's going to be the end-all, be-all speaking in my life that I get discipled by. I need more than just a finger. I need the whole body to disciple me. I need everyone in this room to disciple me. I can't just depend on one person. If I just have the one person, then I could be discipled. That's not how it works. We need each other. This is a diverse body here. And you have other family and friends that maybe you call or you see or you work with or go to school with. You need the entire body of Christ. As much as you can connect yourself to, you need the body of Christ. Not just the one Bible answer man. No one is meant to be your hero except for Jesus. No one. Not even your spouse. Not your kids. Kids, not your parents. Right? They're, they're gifts to us, but they're not meant to be our heroes. We do that, we're going to be greatly disappointed you will demonize whoever you idolize. As soon as they let you down, you put them on a pedestal, they let you down, you'll demonize them in a heartbeat. Right? So we don't want to do that. We need the body of Christ 
not to idealize individuals, but we need the body of Christ because we're all different. I have now and I've had over the course of my last 25 years a number, I couldn't even count the amount of people that have, the Lord has so radically used in my life for various ways, different times, different situations, different topics in my life. I, I can't even keep track. Some have more impact than others, but everyone has played a part in my discipleship, my sanctification. And, and I, as I think through just names and people, people who even played small, very temporary, uh, t- they had temporary times in my life, but they had massive impacts in my life. And sometimes you ever have this where you go, man, that's so weird. I have this like three months where I spent all this time with this person. Now they're gone from my life, but they radically impacted me. And part of you can be disappointed that you don't have that friendship anymore, but you really, you should just be thankful. God, you brought this person for this exact moment when I needed it, and it had this lasting impact, right? You'll have all of eternity to catch up with them. But what we look at, we just say, God, you're amazing. The way that you bring all these different people at different times, I can think of so many people that had such great impact in my life. I'd love to have more time with them now, but for whatever reason, it's just not here. But it will be. And in the moment, right now, I'm, just, I'm looking to the body of Christ around me to say, Lord, build me up through the people that are in my life. But real discipleship, real sanctification, it is very inefficient. Right? A person popping in your life for a little bit here, a little bit there. This is very inefficient. Friendships and relationships, for them to grow deep, it, it, it's really inefficient. You don't just meet someone and just go deep all of a sudden, and everything's great. Sanctification, discipleship, relationships, friendships are far less like a microwave, and they're more like a, a, a slow cooker, a, a crock pot. It takes time for all that stuff to, to mesh, to really become one. We give up easy on people and church and community group and Christian friends and we just we give up easy when we don't get what we want. It's not happening how we pictured it. That that road of discipleship isn't the straight line. We give up easy when we don't get what we want, when we want it, and how we want it. But this inefficiency, this is how life is, it's how sanctification is. Growth in Christ. Discipleship. It's a long, winding path, ups and downs, hills and valleys, but all generally in the same direction, though sometimes you might you know, have to do a little U-turn here and there, but it's all generally in the same direction. We need patience for ourselves, for others around us, patience with our view with the Lord. We need grace for each other so we can endure the long haul with each other. This is, it's, a, it's an aggregate, right? There's just all these different inroads to our heart, many, many paths and people, situations. So a few ways, some practical ways we can pursue this. Looking again at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, let us consider. So let's consider now, church. Let's consider some practical ways how we can stir up one another to love and good works. Let's consider a few ways how we cannot neglect meeting together as is the habit of some. But instead, we're going to consider now how we can encourage one another all the more as we see the day drawing near. You can follow along in your notes. There's just a few little bullet points here. But the first one is what we're doing right now. 
being part of a church family, gathering regularly for worship, for prayer, to see each other, to lift up our voices to the Lord and sing, to start off our week every single week with each other, to set our face towards our true north. This is important for us to do. This is not optional for believers. Being committed, being accountable, being submitted to a church family, a body of believers. This is something that we must do as a part of our trellis for us to abide in the vine. This is God's design. It's God's way. And many things get in the way of that, but we have to prioritize being committed to a church family, trusting God's word, trusting his design over our desires. Another one, these are just kind of specific things in our church, but they're also very general too. Uh, Community groups, which is what we call them, but basically just means regularly meeting with those who you're living life with in gospel community outside of a, a Sunday morning. Taking it from just hearing and listening and singing, but taking it into real life, into discussions, breaking bread with each other, spending more time having more discussion with each other, being able to voice things and have prayer for you and pray for others. Because this, Sunday morning, this is, this is important, this is awesome, this is commanded by the Lord for us to gather weekly, but this is not the only thing. There's things missing from this that we just can't do. Right, that's why I'm saying it's, it's many inroads, many trellis pieces. This is one of them, but this isn't everything. And this isn't enough. It needs to go further. It needs to go deeper. This is why we have our community groups where you can have fellowship, be in the word together, pray with one another, eat food with each other, with, with people who aren't exactly like you. But if this is something that maybe you've committed to or you've thought about committing to or maybe you've neglected, expect the enemy to get in the way of this. You've got to understand, he, he would love for you just to come here on Sunday and just kind of go through the motions and just cruise out the door and then see you next week. He doesn't really mind that too much, if that's all it is. But you start getting deeper with people and pursuing relationships and not neglecting this, oh, he hates that. So expect it. Expect to get in an argument with your kids right before you're about to leave for community group. Right? Or, or something happens, you know, the, the, the toilet overflows or something. Just expect a bad day at work that day. Expect being really tired. Right? This is just kind of what happens. But we have to understand that the enemy would hate for you to do that to convince you why you don't need that regular community. Sunday morning's enough. You're strong enough. He'll do anything he can to lie to you and get you to think that you're good just with this little fill-up on Sunday morning. Another one, we, we've used, we use this phrase, and I haven't really explained it for a little while, so a couple of folks in the last few weeks have asked me, what the heck are you talking about? Fight club? You're like, what is this church? <laughs> uh, Fight Club is it's just a, a phrase that we use to describe one-on-one or maybe you know, two or three people, four people, more like just a, a, more, a more close-knit, where you get together, you're really able to, whether it's confess sin, um, spend just a, a great amount of time and, and grow in vulnerability with each other. The reason we call it Fight Club is it's, it's meant for us to get together. So when I get together with someone, I'm basically saying, I need you to fight for the gospel for me because I'm, I'm feeling weak right now. 
I'm believing some lies in my life. I'm just really discouraged. I'm dealing with depression or anxiety over my kids or, or my marriage, whatever it is. And you just go to someone, and I need a fight club. I need someone to, to stand next to me, and I need them to fight for the gospel for me because I'm, I'm sinking. One of the verses that is important for us when we think of a fight club is this uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. It says, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or if I'm absent, so whether in person or, or away, Paul says, I want to hear that you're standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, not frightened in anything by your opponents. That's a clear sign to them of their destruction, but your salvation and that from God. It's been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. So we're going to suffer in this life, engaged in the same conflict that you saw that I had, and now you hear that I still have. Paul's saying, look, we're going to suffer in this life, so we need to strive alongside of each other. And Paul's saying, I hope that whether I'm, I'm hearing from, you know, a little birdie told me, or whether I'm in person, I hope that I hear that you guys are striving side by side, arm in arm with each other as you go through hardships. That's why we call them fight clubs. And whether you call it fight club, I don't, I don't care what you call it. But the reason why we actually had a name is because if it's me texting someone, hey, do you want to come hang out? Like, we could talk about anything. We could talk about baseball. We could talk about music, whatever. And that's totally great. Those are the weed killers, that we talked about last week, tilling hard ground, super important for you just to have good, fun, casual time with your friends. But if I text someone and say, man, I need to have a fight club, they know that this hangout is going to be specific. We might still banter a little bit when we first kind of see each other, but we, we need to talk about something. I need something. I need you for something. So it just kind of sets your, your mind towards this thing. It kind of frames it up. So it's just a way to differentiate between kind of the weed-killing kind of hangout and the abiding in the vine. I need help abiding in the vine kind of a hangout. And so ask yourself, whether you call it fight clubs or not, it doesn't matter. Ask yourself, who do you regularly meet with that speaks into your life, that asks you hard questions? Who, who is that? And if you haven't for a while, reach out to them. I would actually challenge you to, as you go home today, whatever, text a few folks, say, hey, I want you to know you're that person. I trust you. I want that. I want that in my life. And if I haven't said it for a while, I'm telling you right now, I want you to speak into my life. I don't want you just to assume that anything. I want to tell you clearly, you have my ear. I want you to have access to my heart. I would challenge you to do that. I would challenge you to do that. Let them know. Who knows what's going on in your life right now, in your heart right now? Who speaks in your life right now? And, and tell, tell your, if, you're, if you're married, tell your spouse who those, those people are. Guys, tell your spouse, hey, I trust these guys. Wives, tell your husband, I trust these gals. Because then you guys can help hold each other accountable. Like, hey, when's the last time you reached out to him to hang out? You've been kind of bummed at, you know, kind of snappy with the kids. Like, maybe you need to have a fight club with so-and-so. Right? If you guys kind of know what's in each other's playbook, that's helpful. Right? In your community group, friends, tell each other. These are, these are my guys. These are the guys. I, I can't tell you how many times some of my friends have seen that I've been a little low, a little down. Maybe my wife notices that too. She tell me all the time, when's the last time you reached out to, to Ron or to Tyler or to Brandon or whoever? Like, it's, it's, been, it's been awesome for me to know. Like, I, and you know, guys, how you are? Like, I know, I know, I know. 
right? But you, you walk away just going, I know, I know, and I need to do that. So I want to show you real quick. I won't go through these, but in your notes, uh, on the notes side, um, there's more that we'll kind of help you guys out with if you're going, I don't know how to do a fight club. I don't know how to even start this thing. Um, but there's a few questions that are good probing, heart probing questions. Uh, when I do fight clubs with people or maybe my boys and they're the, the baseball players, um, these are the kinds of questions I'll, I'll frequently ask. Uh, also in the life maps that we passed out a couple weeks ago, there's a few books that are really good books just to go through with someone. Uh, so if that's something you're interested in, you want to figure out how to do that better, let me know because I'd love to walk you through it more and we'll be, have more resources in the future just to help you kind of build up that sort of thing, how to get started with that type of uh, going deeper in those relationships. But part of the beauty about being around others in community group or fight club is a lot happens when you just hear yourself talk out loud, right? Everything makes sense in your mind through your emotions well, yeah, this is how I feel about this because this just makes sense. But then when you open up your mouth to someone else and they go, what did you just say? You go, well, I said this. Like, how does that jive with scripture? Well, I, don't, I guess it doesn't, right? So just talking out loud with someone else, sometimes just you go, wow, I can't believe I was thinking that. So that's what one of the great things about community is just hearing yourself talk out loud. Sometimes it's just so helpful for us to kind of get a, a better picture uh, another one, uh, two more in this little list here. One is just dinner, coffee, it's maybe a little more casual. Make time in your calendar. Make it a priority. You have a messy house, you have messy kids, you got a messy husband. You just say, no problem. Do it anyway. We're not building an image here. We're building community. We're building family. Who cares if your house is messy? Don't let that roadblock get in the way, that roadblock of image or vulnerability. Oh, they're going to see how messy, it doesn't matter. Just don't, don't believe that stuff. Don't let that roadblock, don't let the enemy convince you. We're not here to build an image, church, right? We're not here to build a reputation. We're here to build character. We're very different, right? So make room in your calendar. Make room in your home. Let it be known. If you had a long day, say, hey, just so you know, we're wearing our sweats tonight, so just come over wearing your sweats. Right? It's not a fashion show, right? nothing like that. Right? Uh, if money's an issue, just do coffee, tea, dessert. You don't have to do dinner, the whole spread. Don't let any roadblock stop you from pursuing this. Get creative. Tell someone to, to bring food. We'll just do a potluck, whatever it is. Just get creative. Make it happen. And then lastly, uh, Serving. We're part of a family here. It's a church family, and in a family, everyone in the family partakes and contributes in family chores. Right? As your kids get older, you start teaching them how to do chores. The longer you come to Life Mission Church, you start partaking in the family chores for the good of the family, to help the family do what the family is called to do. So we're not just taking, but we're also giving. We're blessing each other. We're considering how to stir each other up towards love and good works. We're partaking in these family events. In the next uh, few weeks, we're on mid-March, as we get our, our kids' ministry uh, going uh, more deeply, uh, I, I shared this with you guys at GPS, uh, the curriculum that we have is so much fun uh, for, for even you as a, as a, a leader to go through. Uh, it's going to be super amazing. Like we, we, Our family did this. It's the same curriculum we launched with. 
Uh, our family, we did this the first few years with our boys. Uh, we have resources that are going to be available even um, uh, for you guys to buy just uh, devotions, 10-minute devotions. So you, your kids go to, uh, to the kids' ministry on Sunday. They hear the, the lesson. The devotion you can take home, it's just 10 minutes. There's five, five a week. If you don't get to all of them, no big deal. They have object lessons. It helps you as a parent to go deeper with what your kids just heard on Sunday, you get to actually reinforce that throughout the week. So you're learning even how to disciple your own kids because we're giving you the resources to help your kids take the word of God deeper, not just Sunday morning, but deeper through the week. This was our favorite curriculum that we've ever done. And so we're going to be starting that. So if that's even something where you're going, it's once a month serving, once a month, and you get to, like, if I wasn't preaching all the time, I'd go serve once a month because it's, it's just so great to see the kids respond to the gospel. And I probably will pop in every once in a while when Tyler's preaching, actually, now that I think about it, so. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> okay, so a few more um, practicals. I've got something I want to pass out to you guys. Um, I want to look at some visuals, something you can take home. And then we're going to hear from a few of you guys before we close up. Um, but I want to show this. We can show the first uh, slide up here. I want to talk about drawing up our blueprints. Uh, this is something you can do uh, with your family or individually. My family, we looked at this. Uh, this is just an example here. But as we mentioned, uh, the three main uprights of this trellis that we want to build in our life in your day, in your week. You want to build something that helps you see vine growth in your life. The three main uprights is the word of God, prayer, and community. You need those. You need those. Without those, you don't have anything, right? So you see on this example here, uh, the, uh, the three uprights, word of God, prayer, and community. Uh, the horizontals uh, are the specific things, and these are going to be specific to your life. Uh, the morning routine, your evening routine, listening to the gospel podcast, fight club, serving, fasting. Down below on this graphic, you see what we call kind of the, uh, the weed killers and the soil tillers. They don't really connect you to the vine per se, but they help break up hard ground. They help you decompress, kind of clear the fog so that you can enjoy the word of God and enjoy prayer. So those are more of the, the common graces. Uh, so playing music and sports, a hobby, those types of things. Uh, so... Um, but remember that the thing about this is the goal, and, and the life maps that we handed out a couple weeks ago, those are the resources that are meant for you to maybe pull from so that you can incorporate that into your trellis. But remember that the goal is not to build an awesome rhythm and routine. The goal is not to memorize as much scripture as you can or read as many gospel books or go to as many church meetings. The goal is not to build a trellis. Okay, so the, the next slide here shows us that really what our goal is, is we want to see vine growth. We want to see Jesus more beautifully in our life. We want to see us being built up in Christ, not building up a trellis, not built up in Joby, but built up in Christ. So the goal is not to build the sweet trellis. The trellis is meant to help us enjoy Jesus, so much so that the vine actually starts so overgrowing on that trellis Sometimes your, your time in prayer and word and fellowship, it's so, like, it's so covered in the vine that you don't really, it becomes like a smoothie, right? Everything's just kind of mixed together. The goal is to see Jesus and enjoy Jesus and abide in the vine. Uh, look what uh, Jesus says in John chapter 5, verse 39 uh, and 40. He says, you search the scriptures, so you're in the word of God, because you think that the scriptures 
that in them you have eternal life. You think you can find eternal life in the scriptures. And then Jesus says, yes, it is them that bear witness about me. So you're right, but here's the problem. You refuse to come to me that you can have life. So what he's saying is you can build a trellis because you think, oh, a trellis is where I get life. But if you refuse to go to Jesus and find Jesus on this trellis, pointless, pointless. We're not here to build trellises. We're here to see vine growth. So we want to build a trellis that helps us see good, vibrant, life-giving vine growth. So the, the end is not the trellis. The trellis is a means to the end, which is vine growth in our life, being built up and rooted in Christ. So he says also in John 15, the obvious one that comes to mind, abide in me and I in you as the branch can't bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We don't abide in the trellis. We abide in the vine. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have love, I'm just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all ministries and all knowledge, and I have all faith and I can move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have and deliver up my body to be burned as a martyr, but if I don't have love, I gain Oh, there we go. Hi. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. <laughs> if we also, all those scriptures, if we speak in tongues, have prophetic powers, all that stuff, but we don't have love, it's nothing. In the same way, if we build this awesome trellis, we have this awesome rhythm, we're reading all these gospel books, listening to all these gospel podcasts, all this stuff, but if we don't have love for Christ, love for each other, growing in our love for the body of Christ, it's all pointless. So the point is not to build the trellis. The point is to see vine growth. So the last image I'll show you here uh, is this. And this is something I just kind of observe with my own life. These are just examples. Sometimes we have these uprights, prayer, the word of God, and community, but they're disconnected. That's okay sometimes. Your, your morning prayer time is just for you and the Lord. That's totally fine. But I notice that I've got a lot of disjointed horizontal pieces. And so what I've been personally seeking to do in my life is see those things become more connected. All right, so here's where you can look at this, the, the handout for yourself here. On the back side where I've got the, the list out, not the picture, but the list, I got some of those ideas there, the trellis pieces. And again, there's a fuller list of trellis pieces in the life maps. If you don't have one of those, uh, we have those at the connection table outside. But you go through your life and you say, what am I currently doing that are my horizontal pieces? And then on the picture, you can start filling those things in. Do this as a family. Do this with your community group. Start filling those things in. What do I got going on in my life? Don't worry about them connecting on the front or anything. Just use that to fill in generally. But what I did, I, I gave an example at the bottom here. Uh, the highlighted ones are the things. Those are the things that you, know, you say to yourself, these are what I do. I, have, I memorize scripture. I have daily reading. I do fight clubs. I have a prayer list. I do Bible study. So the highlighted ones are the things. That's what I do. 
But then what I started doing is I, I started asking myself, I wonder how much of this actually intersects and goes across the whole trellis. So some of them are maybe um, obvious, you know, worship music, for instance. Um, you, can, you sing those songs as a prayer, so you've got prayer interwoven with worship music, and we sing on Sunday. So I'm going, okay, so there's some intersection there. That's great. Some of them are not really as obvious. So for instance, uh, I memorize scripture. Well, I used to just memorize scripture, but now I started praying as I would memorize. So now I'm working prayer into that. And now some of you are actually memorizing scripture, or if, maybe if you memorize scripture together, we do a scripture memory on Sundays. When you memorize scripture together, then all of a sudden you're kind of seeing this cross-pollination happening. So now it's not just this individual discipline that you're doing, but you actually are being able to share this with others and you're praying through it. So there's just a lot more power that kind of ends up happening in these things when we see these things shared. Obviously, sometimes you'll just memorize scripture alone, but when you start sharing that with others... You, this, this thing just kind of grows exponentially. So I left a few blank here just as an example. So maybe if you meditate on scripture and you pray through the text, but you don't really ever do that with other people. So here's a, for instance, someone came over, we had a fight club, and, um, and the, most of my fight clubs are unofficial. It's just, we just go into conversation. We don't say that, that usually, like, let's have a fight club. So I'm hanging out with this guy, and, and he was just saying how much it's just an He's always so encouraged because we just talk about the truth. We talk about promises. Uh, we build each other up. And it dawned on me because I was working on this. I said, but you know what? You know what we never do? I said, we never actually end our time in prayer. Because usually late at night and, you know, uh, we're tired or whatever. And I just thought, why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we? I, I pray with a lot of people all through my week. But with this particular person, we've got these deep conversations. But it's usually just kind of informal. And we just... We just didn't have a habit of praying together. So we've committed, let's do that. Because I noticed that for me and him, that, that was blank. So all this is meant to do for you is just to kind of give you sort of a diagnostic tool to kind of help you say, what am I doing already? Where can I maybe incorporate that in different ways? Where can I see that sort of change? One thing you'll notice that um, go from today and going forward, because we want to do this as a church family too, uh, we want to see this happen um, on a larger level. In your notes, you also see that there's now a this week's call to worship psalm. As we've looked at praying, this, uh, praying through the psalms the last couple weeks, uh, we want to actually start every service now with uh, someone reading from a psalm. So even for some of you who don't want to pray publicly before service starts, I get that fear. Now we're saying if you want to do that, all you got to do is just read a psalm, and when you're done with your psalm, you say amen, you can go sit down, you don't have to pray and do the whole impromptu thing. We also are going to, if you notice on the back of our community group notes, um, we're going to ask the groups also just to start off their group by, by opening up to that same psalm. And then as you open up in prayer, just praying through the scripture memory verse uh, or the psalm or both. So just in a, a way to sort of see some of the stuff cross-pollinate more, where we're uh, in the word, we're praying the word corporately, individually, uh, as a community group, seeing this become more interconnected uh, as much as we possibly can. So with that, uh, uh, a couple of you guys want to uh, share some of the ways these last few weeks have been impacting you. And I've heard a lot of great stories from different folks, and so I wanted to hear uh, from some of you. So I'm going to have Tim come up first. Yep, you're coming up right yeah. 
in fear and trembling. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'll come down here. So, yeah, Tim, just uh, share with us what the Lord has been doing in your life these last few weeks as we've been looking at this stuff here. Well, I think it was a couple weeks ago. Um, the sermon was on praying the Lord's Prayer and the Psalms. Mm -hmm. And I've been a Christian since I was 12 years old. So, what, 53, 54 years. And never <laughs> have I been taught or thought to pray the Psalms. Mm -hmm. And it just struck me, it was a, a turning point in my life. It really was. Awesome. And the first thing I did is I went out and bought Timothy and Kathy Keller's book, Songs of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And every day it takes you through a part of a psalm or a whole psalm and teaches you to pray to that psalm. Mm -hmm. And I think we did an exercise during the sermon yep. uh, where we actually the 23rd Psalm, which I memorized 50 years ago, <laughs> and I had never thought of it as a prayer. Mm. But as we did that in the service, it just, it made such an impact on my life. Yeah. And it, you know, it was like one of those duh moments, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's the Word of God, and it's prayer at yeah. the same time. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, like he was just talking about, it's melding those two together, mm. And it just, it made such an impact on my life. It's changed my prayer life. And I've always been a prayer, you know, always believed in and actually considered myself a prayer warrior at certain times in my life. But praying the Psalms just really struck me. And I, you know, I shared that at a community group that night and mm -hmm. it just, gosh, it was a turning point. Yeah. You know, it was that corner that you were talking yeah. about turning it. And yeah. it was amazing. Awesome. And, it, you know, it's really... It's really been impacting me. This book is fantastic. If you can mm -hmm. go out and buy it, go out and buy it mm -hmm. and use it as your daily devotional and pray in the yep. Psalms. Amen. Thank you, Tim. Yeah, that, that book is called Songs of Jesus. Uh, Carrie, where's Carrie at? There you go. Same right. thing. <laughs> I, um, I mean, I've, it started prior to the last few weeks, but it just kind of affirmed and cemented some things and just some next steps for me. Um, just the development of a morning routine, um, which is hard for everyone for different reasons. Uh, but uh, for me, I usually start with worship music, and that kind of helps me wake up for a little bit and then um, kind of focus my heart on what I need to. And then I started doing the Bible reading challenge in September, which I always wanted to do and hadn't done. Um, and that was really hard for a while to be consistently doing it, but just like any habit, and once you form it, um, it becomes like a desire to do it. So uh, I actually don't even, they have catch-up days on some of the plans, or in the plan, and I, I, I don't like those because I don't want to break that habit. And so sometimes I'll read ahead because I know I have a day coming where maybe I can't get all those chapters mm -hmm. in. Um, but beyond that, we've started as a family being a lot more consistent reading together. Yeah. Um, awesome. And uh, we're going through a, a book based on the um, Heidelberg Catechism. Oh, yeah. Uh, just yeah. addressing really foundational things about uh, doctrine and who God is and who Jesus is. Yeah. Um, and it spurred some good conversations with our family. Um, and then in the last few weeks, I've noticed because I'm intentional about the time in the Word and then trying to get better about Scripture memory um, and then kind of calling on some friends to help me this earlier in this week and kind of sharing what Scripture I was focused on and 
um, some gals from our community group trying to get that going to where we're just, you know, being consistent, yeah. Yeah. Um, encouraging one another. Um, I've just noticed opportunities to have conversations and, and you know, the word comes more readily when um, you're dwelling on it every yeah. day. Yeah. Um, some friends that I really, one friend had been on my heart and on my mind for a long time and I hadn't talked to her in a few months. And it's a friend from a gym. She does not believe in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, she's pretty pretty anti-church. Mm-hmm. And she loves Chris and I. And she's, just, I don't know what it is about your relationship, but it's just such an encouragement. And I was like, oh, I feel like that door is open. <laughs> so I'm just going to start, you know, putting things in there. And yeah. so yeah. it's been cool yeah. to see, like, as we, you know, feed ourselves the word and we're intentional about it, what it can do with our families, what it can do with the relationships yeah. that we have been yeah. given. So. Awesome. Cool Thank you, me. Carrie. Thank you. And Sheree, is she in here? Okay, all right. Anyone else? Going once, going twice. <laughs> um, as we... Did someone say something? I'll say it. Oh, <laughs> no, yeah, we're good. <laughs> so, I, I, think, I think the last few weeks, everyone, I think we've kind of gotten the, the general point and idea of what we're really called to do as a church family, not just individually, but as part of the body. Um, what I would love to see happen in our lives in these coming weeks and months and years is to see a lot more of this cross-pollination happening, uh, where we're, maybe we're getting on, like with, with Carrie was saying, like maybe memorizing the same scriptures or, or whatever it is. Um, in our, our youth group, um, uh, you guys have started uh, memorizing scriptures, uh, picking out scripture on Wednesdays that they memorize together throughout the week. So now all of our kids have two at least that they're doing from Sunday morning as well as Wednesday. When you are doing these things together as much as possible, uh, knowing that there's always individual time you have to have, um, but the more you can kind of see this sort of uh, this intersection, um, the more we're going to see just really dynamic gospel growth in our lives, in our hearts, in our families, in our kids, in our community groups. We get on the same page with each other. We're in one accord, just like the early church was in Acts chapter 2. Uh, and so seeing that blending together of the word, prayer, and community as much as we can. So I, I hope that some of the, the, the diagnostic tools kind of help you sort of analyze that a little bit. So if you want to, just... Take that sheet home, look at it with your, just yourself or your family or friends or community group. Uh, start just looking at your life, looking at the trellis, seeing where maybe some of those trellis pieces can maybe cross over. Some of them won't. That's totally fine. Um, but look and see how maybe I can incorporate this more and more, um, more broadly in my life so I can really see, uh, hope to see more vine growth in my life. I want to till that ground. I want to water it. And I want to see more of Jesus in my life. I want to see him as more beautiful. I want to see him as the one who gives me life so I can produce fruit because uh, the, the piece that at the very end of this also is that when we abide in the vine, what happens? We bear fruit. We bear fruit. So like what Carrie was saying, you start bearing fruit, now you're starting to share the gospel more with people. You have more courage, more boldness to share with people because you've been getting filled up all day. Now you're just overflowing. A lot of times we don't evangelize, we don't share our faith because we're running on empty ourselves. We've got nothing to give. We're running dry. The vine's wilting, right? But we start getting in these better habits. The goal is fruit being born in our life. The glory of God going out to all the ends of the earth, whether it's across the street or in your own home or at the gym or wherever, we want to bear fruit that remains. And the way we do that is to abide in the vine. But we've got to have a trellis for this vine to grow healthy and strong. Does that make sense?
Yeah, amen. Amen's all around. Amen, church. Amen. So let's do this. I want to pray. I want to ask the Lord to help us. Give us that good conviction, not guilt conviction, but good conviction to give us sort of inspiration and motivation to maybe take some steps and try to incorporate some of this stuff more deeply in our lives. And then we're going to close our time with communion together uh, and then uh, expressing our thanks and gratitude to the Lord uh, as we respond through song, giving him thanks and praise. So let's pray. Lord, I'm so grateful, as I, I say this in some form or fashion every week, uh, I love your design that you've called us to be together weekly. Uh, you've called us to be together on the first day of our week. And even now, as I think through some of these new uh, trellis pieces that we're putting into our own church family, I love the idea that we're going to be starting off our week together being led in one of your psalms. Uh, the word of God will be the first thing that is spoken and it's a, a part of the word that is a prayer, that is a song. And then we get to go into a time of singing, responding to your goodness. And so, Lord, I'm, I'm asking, God, that you would give us some clarity, some wisdom, some vulnerability. Um, step out a little bit in faith to maybe uh, do some diagnostics in our, in our life and kind of look at our trellis. Maybe there's some broken pieces or pieces that can span all three of those uprights. Uh, I just, I'm just praying that we would be diligent, that we would consider, as the word that we looked at today, we would consider how we can stir each other up towards love and good works. Let's consider how we can build a stronger trellis, not for the point of building the trellis, but because we want to see more of Jesus in our lives. We want to be overwhelmed. We want that vine to grow over our trellis to where we can't even see the trellis. It's just natural for us to pray through our day and recite scripture in our mind and encourage people and, and, and do fight clubs. And it's just such a normal part that we don't even see the trellis. We don't see the structure. We just see vine growth. That's what we want. We want to overflow with this. So help us, Lord. Give us the humility that we need, the openness we need to grow in these things. Help us to till that ground and water that ground and build that trellis because we want more of Jesus. And thank you, Lord, that you are willing to give more of yourself to us. You've already told us that we have everything we need in you. But like that other scripture we saw today, but sometimes we just re we refuse to come to you. So help us, Lord. Help us. We love you and we thank you. And it's in your mighty name we pray. Amen.